to hear that was happening. If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you've looked on the note sheet there, it's Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations. Let's start the new year bright and excited in the book of Lamentations. Right? No, we're going to be, this is going to be very encouraging today. Um, but uh, I couldn't get away from this passage. I kept coming back to this passage. I actually had something completely different written a while back for this and kept coming back to this passage and kept coming back. And uh, I've seen just how God's used it for me already again and again, and I pray he'll use it again today. But since we're doing Lamentations chapter 3, we're right in the middle of a book, I definitely want to give you a little bit of background quickly, okay? Book of Lamentations doesn't claim an author, even though we believe to be the author to be, anybody know? Yes, Jeremiah, right, Jeremiah. Um, of course, Jewish tradition, portions, lamentation, portions of Lamentations are read every July and August to remember the destruction of Jerusalem and in the Second Temple in A.D. 70. But here's the cool part about the remembrance. It marks an annual reminder of God's justice and compassion. Yes, he's determined to punish sin, but he, off, but he offers assurance that his covenant mercy remains new each day. Now, you'll notice in chapter 3, there's 66 verses. We're not reading all those. <laughs> We're not reading all those. Okay, don't worry about that. Um, but this book, has, there's five chapters, so there are five poems. This is the longest one. But this also represents a turn. Okay, if we were to go before and start in verse 1 and then read right through, you could see it. I trust that if you'd like to do that, you can do it later. <laughs> We're going to actually start in verse 19 in just a moment. Um, but there's a turn. The cool thing about this particular poem, for those that would have, uh, would have read this, Hebrews that would have read this, it would have been done as an alphabetical acrostic. So each section would have been a part of the Hebrew alphabet. It helped them remember this. And then finally, one little background thing about Lamentations. I like one word definite, like boom. This means this. One word. Lamentations, you can't do that. There, is a, there, there can't be stated one word that brings the whole really book together. This is the main thing. It was composed of coming to terms with the destruction of Jerusalem. Just the center of the fact that the center of the fact that the, the wrath of God against his people, that they had sinned. But with that wrath and with in that fact that God is just, he is also faithful, merciful, and gracious. So if we go to verse 19, and again, if you were just reading straight through and you, stay, and you kept going, um, all the verses preceding this would still have this same feel of verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That's the curse of bitterness. Just, this guy's low. My soul continually remembers, remembers it and is bowed down within me. He just, he can barely hold his head up. But then verse 21. But this I call to mind. The first 20 verses, it's just one depressive thought after another. 
this man's defeated. What do we, where's, the, where's, the, where's the renewed hope of 2022? And we're all excited. We're coming. We're going to get there. But then you go to verse 21, and all of a sudden there's a shift. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have, what's the next word? Hope. Therefore I have hope. And he explains the author of this hope and about the character of the person of this hope in the next few verses. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That, that's enough to pump you up, right? That's a change, that's a shift. 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will, what's the word? Hope in him. It may look defeated and hopeless around me, but my hope isn't found in what's around me. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should quietly should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, Lord, I pray that as the words come out of my mouth, that they'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, more than anything today, I just want to be accurate in interpreting and saying exactly what this book says. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm going to pray your spirit will use it. And Lord, I'm thankful that despite what all else is around us, things that we go through, that our hope's not founded in things. And our hope, aren't, our hope isn't founded in any other person than the person of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray, you, I pray you bless your people in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this begins very low. Um, this man, for all intents and purposes, absolutely depressed. I'm not going to get involved in the clinical side of that at all today. But you can hear it. You can feel it. Well, why was that the case? Defeat over and over again. Woke up new again. Defeat. And I really believe, and we'll find throughout through this passage a little bit, that this person tried everything within them to have a different attitude. And there was just nothing left to give. They were spent. They were exhausted. They were frustrated. Nothing left until they remembered, until they called to mind. Number one today, in moments of despair, when we feel hopeless, we must remember the very character of God that never changes. In moments of despair, when we feel hopeless, we must remember the very character of God that never, that never changes. We change moment by moment, minute by minute, second by second. We can be happy one second, literally just down and deep and depressed the next. Depending on circumstances of life, parents in general, after a wonderful week of Christmas, 
and your kids have been home for the last two weeks, right? Because your daycare closed because of COVID. And all of a sudden, all those amazing toys, they're not so amazing anymore. And what hair you did have, you're ready to pull. Or in my case, I don't know what you do, right? And it was awesome December 25th. It was a very low time for people. This can be a very lonely time for people, right? But if we find hope in the people that we live with, in the people that we work with, in the people that we go out and shop with, if that is our only source of hope, there is going to be a constant, sudden, everyday living change. We're going to be in moments of despair. And by the way, you say, wait a minute now. There are those that were right with the Lord that felt despair. Absolutely. I believe the man that's writing here is right with the Lord. I absolutely believe Jeremiah was going through a a very low period. But I don't believe it was because of what he did at all. Aren't you thankful that despite all the changes in life, we can go to him when we're as excited and happy as can be and as low as possible. And he's the same. He's the same. Over and over and over again. He's the same. He wants us to come to him. He enjoys. He delights. He actually gets excited when we go to him and say, Lord, I've got nothing left. Great. Let me carry you on the rest of the way because I was carrying you the last two miles. Next note there is remember and rejoice in past victories that God has brought about in our life. It, it, there's several key parts to that. Remember and rejoice in past victories, but not the things that we have done, but what God has done. Now you see a Psalm 77 passage there, okay? And we're still, as far as in our lamentations mentality here, we're really kind of 19 to 21. It's still, we're not, we're not quite made that turn. There's a lot of negative we're about to make this, but this I call to mind, that verse 21. But you see a Psalm 77 passage, and I think you have verses 3 to 10. If I were to read you verses 3 to 9, excuse me, it would have been very much like the first 19 verses of Lamentations, okay? A lot of negativity. And I'll read the eight, verses 8 and 9, cause, but I really want to focus on a few verses after that. He begins to question, and this is Asaph's writing, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for an all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Now, we're all sitting in our seats this morning and life's just perfect. And we don't think that at all now, do we? Well, God's always gracious to me. Okay, we'll go back two hours, three hours, yesterday, the day before, what's ahead? We have moments, I believe, like this can happen daily. Lord, are you there? If the heroes of the faith and those that are in Scripture dealt with this, I can promise you we do. But then if you go on past verse 9, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate in your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. 
there are plenty of moments in despair when no matter what anyone else says, it's not enough. And they can mean well. They can mean well. When in my family, I'm, I'm learning some that if I just don't say nothing at all, you know, ladies, you have this ability. It's a really an ability to kind of go through exactly what you're going through. You don't want help. You just want somebody to what? Listen. Listen. And honestly, in general, men aren't the greatest listeners. They have to be taught that, right? Men are what? They're fixers. Let's fix this problem. Let's do it. We got it. She don't want help fixing the problem. She can fix the problem herself. There's not a time I can't go to God, though. And whatever his fix is, even if it doesn't feel like a fix, it's what I need. Why? Because he's done it in the past. He's answered a prayer that you didn't pray. In your moments of lowest place, I'm going to tell you, find you, some, find you a few verses, have a card, or in my case, put in a note on your phone. And when you're in those moments, just remind yourself of what God has done and who God is again and again. You know, we're, for some people, they're really thankful to move on to a new year. 2020 and 2021 may not have been the most kind years. I mean, I, I will say, I, having spent a little time in, uh, with, a, with those that are in the medical field, they, they have been in a, without, without a relationship with Christ, I don't know how they've made it. Seeing consistent death again and again, knowing that when a person comes in, there's not much that can be done. You can't go to social media now, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about people that are suffering, and you get, you hear almost more of that than what's going good. Somebody makes another post, this relative's in the hospital. This relative just got put on a machine. Yet, we have hope. We have hope. I had the privilege to do a funeral on Friday of my wife, my wife's mother, so my mother-in-law's sister. She's 85 years old. And um, there were some there who didn't know the Lord. And I thought it, would, it was a great opportunity just to talk about a life who, of a lady who accepted Christ, who knew, who knew the Lord. And I can tell you, some people walked into that funeral and you could just see their hope was gone. Gone. But then there was a few and it was a very much a completely different viewpoint. Peaceful, relaxed, and grateful that this woman who had suffered in such pain for a good long time is now with the Father. Can you preach your, can you preach your funeral? That's the greatest message you can give. Here, we had lost people coming to this, and I'll admit, we just hammered them with the gospel because I thought, look, that's what this lady would have wanted. She would have said, look... No matter what you feel, and it's a, I mean, the, the emotions are real. The fact that your hope should be not that I'm in this casket, that my soul's with the Lord. And that's where, in moments of our despair, in moments of our lowest points, we have to remember what God has done. We have to remember. Verse 22, back to verse 22, just a moment. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. Aren't you thankful, go to, when you look at verse 23, aren't you thankful that there are some days that just come to an end? Like, okay, this is it. I'm going to bed. We're going to try again tomorrow. And if tomorrow's the same way, you know what? It's going to end too. And then you wake up. Some people wake up. They don't need coffee, man. They're just excited and ready to go. Others get our liquid courage and off we go, right? We go get our caffeine. But there's a general, there can be a general feeling of, hey, get another opportunity to start again. Why is that? Because the God of yesterday is the God of the day, and he's got a whole other round of mercies to get us through that particular day. Getting back to Jeremiah for a moment, and this is our next note. Um, this hope is only possible if God is the one who sovereignly afflicts and sovereignly heals. Jeremiah knew where all this came from. He knew where the destruction came from. He knew the Lord allowed it. And he trusted and believed that the Lord would heal the situation. This is meant to bring about repentance, of course, of sin, but also that it was his, part of his, God's plan was to suffer affliction. And you say, well, it wasn't even Jeremiah's fault. No. But then when he calls to mind, Psalm 103, verses 15 to 18. I think you'll have that, that one available. Psalm 103, 15 to 18. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes right over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, and those who fear him... And his righteousness to children's children, to his in his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. At some point, a spiritual maturity has to take place to realize that, hey, as bad as things are and they can get worse, I can trust in who God is. And I can know God's allowed this. Now let me be clear, this is to the believer, right? That God's allowed this and he's going to work all this for his purpose and he's going to sovereignly heal. Ultimately, just like in my, my uh, mother-in-law's sister's case, she, she wouldn't trade places with any of us. She was healed. And Jeremiah had a trust. Let's look at number, number two today. Number two, God's covenant devotion along with his compassion toward us, is constant. His love gives us renewed strength to endure whatever he allows us to go through. If you look at verse, that super positive, super change of attitude in 22 and 23, and then you get to 24 and it says, the Lord is my portion. Now we think of, wow, all the blessings maybe God has given us. That is not really the perspective here. The, the writer here comes from a tribe that doesn't have any land. So when he says that the Lord is my portion, what he's saying is, I don't own anything. Everything that I have belongs to God. Now, we can be owners of lands and cars and finances, but 
technically, isn't it the same way with us? That everything that's given, it all belongs to him. And once we have that focus that, well, it's all his to begin with, therefore, I can hope in him. I will hope in him. This hope isn't founded on what we can provide or what we bring to the table. In this change of mind that has taken place, all of this is brought about to get to the point of restoration and to realize that, hey, there may be more bad ahead, but it's all his. He's going to be with me. And even in the midst of judgment, we can still see his compassion, how he cares for. When I think of that, I think of disciplining a, discipline a child. Now, Lord willing, none of us in here discipline and anger at any moment of time, right? We're all filled with the Spirit. We feel great every time we're going to do this, right? No, there are moments of plenty moments of frustration. But there are also some of the sweetest moments, too. As that child, something finally just clicks. Wait a minute, if I continue to do this, I'm going to get wore out. I'm going to lose this privilege. And that's one part. Then the other turn is, wait a minute, I'm sinning against my parents. Okay, we're getting there. Then finally, wait a minute, I'm sinning against God via my parents, through my parents. Man, God's really good to me. He didn't zap me yet. His compassion toward us is constant in our lowest moments. When all else fails and we feel all alone, even if we've caused all these problems and issues, you know what? He's right there. His love gives us renewed strength. Do you need strength this morning? Are you excited about 2022 or are you like, look, I just need to get through another day? Our God's given us enough to get through, through whatever we face. And gives us strength to endure whatever he allows us to go through. It precedes this last idea that ultimately God's in control of the situation. And there's a restful peace, a calm spirit. Almost an attitude of confidence to know that, hey, it's not up to me. Now, I, I kind of come from a world of try harder, do better. And it is up to you. And if, you, if something fails, it's your fault. So I constantly wrestle with God with this. Lord, that wasn't enough. We should have done more. I should have done something different. You know, if there's 115 people, 115 kids at VBS, I want to know why there weren't 130. And if there's 130, Lord, we need 150 here. Well, that's all great and good to have goals and to strive to have another child come and something like that. But ultimately, I'm, we're not doing this to please, to please a number. You know, I'll tell you something. He's not here today. <laughs> he did you know Jeff never counts the number? He's the first pastor I've been around. I've been on a bunch. He's not consumed with a number. In fact, most of the time, he finds out at meeting when he asks about it. And Mike's here. He'll, he can tell you. He didn't ask about it all the time. Now, I'm sure at some point he may think about it across his mind. He even focused on that. And that is a blessing. Right? Cause why? Because he realizes the, it isn't up to Jeff, right? It's up to the Lord. When he, he, he rarely asks. Now, I will tell you, I'm 
kind of different. I like to see what's growing and not working, and I'm, I'm, I have charts, and I'm really a nerd. And so, I'm, 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 but I've got to the point, I won't give it to him necessarily unless he asks for it. It's just not a focus for him. Because his hope isn't how many people are in a seat. This is an, an awesome thing that I will tell you is not from me. This next note is some R.C. Sproul, and I want to make sure we give him credit. Um, I took a portion of this. It says, God's love and affection is not diminished by our sin. Every time I think of that, I think of Isaiah 59.1, that the Lord's hand is not shortened. There's nothing we can do to diminish God's attitude toward us. You know, sometimes in life we have relationships that are transactional. You know, all right, so if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. My favorite thing is when you have like the family party and everyone gives each other a $20 gift card and you're just like, yeah, we could have just kept those in our pocket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just say, Merry Christmas. You say, oh, your family doesn't do that. Yeah, I don't go to those parties anymore. <laughs> but I know, I've got a, I know I've got a card coming more than likely. <laughs> and just pass it around. Well, it's like we should do. Well, I'm thinking of you. I, just put it back in your pocket, and then we can think of each other. <laughs> it's transactional. God's relationship with us is not based on transaction from us on any on any level on any end. Because if it was based on us, we'd fail. We'd fail in the first days of life, right? And would continue to be down that road, Brandon. Where's the positive here? I want to be encouraged today. It's 2022. It's coming. Because you know what? It's not about me and you. It's about what he's done and his attitude toward us. In that psalm passage that I read, though, we do find the key on our side of that relationship, which is to remember his commandments, to obey. That's really hard. Can I tell you that? That was really Southern, too. That's really hard. Because there are sometimes I just think I know better. Now, Lord, I know this. I should say this or not. Maybe you shouldn't say anything. If I just get this last word. And then it's like fire and death come out of my mouth. Now, because the Lord has brought all this about. Okay. Next, next note there is this hope is only possible if God, who sovereignly afflicts and sovereignly heals. Did I get that out of order earlier? I may have done that. So this hope is only possible if God is the one who sovereignly afflicts and sovereignly heals. The plea to remember in this whole Lamentations passage is not directed simply to recall facts, okay? This isn't just remembering what God has done, remembering the current situation that we're in, but it's to remember who God is, and then let our minds begin to change via the Scripture. If we all sit about, sit about or post about what we've done and, how, and, and um, what's happened in the past and what's negative today, if the purpose isn't about for us to change, then why are we saying anything? And that's what the, the Scripture's saying here. Though. The whole purpose is change. The writer, the poet, needed a change. He had to go back and remember what God had done so that his mind and attitude and actions would change. And this goes back to the next note there. The goodness and wisdom of God are displayed 
when he gives us resources to cope with the challenges of life because he is faithful. That resources in our passage goes back to when it says, the Lord is my portion. He's saying, God's going to sustain me here. God's going to strengthen me here. Now, sometimes that may not, whatever's given is enough, but it may not be exactly what we want, right? But Lord, I think I needed this. And in the midst of the low, the depression, the down, the struggle, the defeatist, defeated the attitudes, emotions, and feelings, in the midst of that, sometimes what the, what the Lord's given doesn't feel like it's enough. Like, this isn't enough, Lord. I mean, I, I got an encouraging text. You know, somebody said they love me. Lord, that, that's not, I need more than that. But we have to remember is he's the one that sustains, not anyone else, not even ourself. Again, like I've told you, this man had given everything there was to give. Now let's make it a complete turn and let's get excited because this is the good parts. They're all good. Psalm 89, 1 and 2. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever with my mouth. I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. There needs to become a complete turn of mind. Then, then we have to rehearse this to ourselves and tell others. Verse 2, for I have said steadfast love will, will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You know, sometimes it's not enough just to speak to ourselves. We've got to hear it out loud. We'll go back to the source of our strength. The source of really what gets us through. Knowing that God is who He, who he says He is. Finally, number three today. And we will spend a few minutes in this one. Number three, God is the ultimate standard of goodness. And he is the source of all goodness. God is the ultimate standard. Go back to verse 25. And we're going to actually have almost a note for every one of these, 25, 26, 27. But I do want to read through that again. So God is the ultimate standard standard of goodness, and he is the source. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You know, we talked about, we have these Bible reading plans, whether you're on a five-day or a seven-day, or maybe you've got a separate one you do. Do you know why it's not just about checking a box? Hey, read the Bible today. Good, boom. Like on my app, when I do it, I get like a little, all right, one down. And on the first, like on January 1, it says, um, day one complete, only 363 days to go. You're like, ooh, time to start over, right? But a great purpose in that is that we're our, our, our reading of, this, of the scriptures constantly reminds us, whether you start your day, end your day, middle of your day, do your um, lunchtime and do your reading or whatever, it's not about, oh, I did that, I'm a, I'm a good Christian. No, we've got a lot of reminders about who God's not, right? You turn on the television, a phone, or radio, if you listen to that podcast, I mean, we're inundated with what should be the source of our strength, our hope, what's good. But our focus 
has to at some point be centered on him and his word. And if we're not reading it on at least a daily basis, how are we going to know what it is? And then and also, if you're in, depending on which version you're doing, you're probably in some point in the Old Testament if you're doing the whole Bible, right? And so you get to see, I think, a lot of the New Testament promises come to life in Old Testament, in the Old Testament. What I mean is, God says, I'll give you strength. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, right? Well, you go back to the Old Testament, you see in different times of these people's lives, in low moments, whether it was David or whoever, you know what? All was failing around him, but God didn't leave him. That's why, I, that's why at this point of the time of the year, and everyone's doing their Bible reading plan on day two, all right? It's to remember that on day 180 and day 240, because whatever you get that day, maybe exactly what you need to get through that day. God is the ultimate standard of goodness, and he is the source. So now I want to go take um, a very familiar passage, Romans 8, 28 and 29. I mean, this, the popularity of, the, of this verse, I mean, everybody knows it, right? Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that for those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. I like what R.C. Sproul has to say about that passage. This text on divine providence is, on divine providence is as difficult to comprehend as it is popular. If God is able to make everything that happens to us work together for our good, then ultimately, everything that happens to us is good. I'm going to read that again. This text on divine providence is as difficult to comprehend as it is popular. I mean, it can be put, in, it can be put on signs and just rehearsed and said. It's popular. It can be very difficult to understand. If God is able to make everything that happens to us work together for our good, then ultimately, ultimately everything that happens to us is good. Can I tell you this? That doesn't honestly seem fair when we think in human terms, right? Right? Now, let me tell you, I used to have a very callous way of looking at that word fair. When someone, when some child would come to me and say, that's not fair. That's not fair. You did it for this person. You didn't do it for that one. That's not fair. I'd always come around and say, someone, yeah, well, life's not fair. That's very callous. It's true. And that don't necessarily need to be said because God's not fair, right? All the turn of a new year and all the exciting things that are going to be done this year, everything that happens, whether it feels for our good or not, God's not fair. And ultimately, if we've accepted Christ, we've got the, the front end of God's not fair. Why? Because we deserve hell. So back to verse 25. I'm going to give you this note first and we'll talk through it. Verse 25, God's goodness is evident in the relationship he maintains with his people that prioritize time with him. So when you think of that note, we're going to think verse 25 of Lamentations. 
God's goodness is evident in the relationship he maintains with his people that prioritize time with him. I put in parentheses in my notes here that literally seek him. Verse 25, Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. What have you been praying for for a long time? It hasn't come to pass yet. There's a family member that's on our list that we, that we pray for. It's been a long time. Nothing's been done yet. He's not accepted Christ yet. She's not accepted Christ yet. God's good is evident in the relationship he maintains with his people that prioritize time with him. Isn't it interesting the maintaining of that relationship, right, is seen, but where is it foundational at? It's on him. Our deal is time. It's all founded in him. The advice here is to keep the nature of God in mind, especially in his inherent goodness and justice that will, ena- that will enable patient, resign- patient, a resigned patience under the yoke of being judged. I'm going to walk through that again. In the moments when, we're, when, when it's low, when we're, look, it could be a situation where we've, we've caused the problem, the sin that's been committed and there's now a payment to be made. Right, there's a reaping of that. Even in that chastisement, God's gracious. And ultimately, that's good. Back to disciplining a little child. At the end of all that whole process, when that's over, when you see that light come on, and the next time, like I said, a different attitude comes, there really can be, those moments can be very, bring about joy in a very difficult situation. There can be a closeness that's there. And sometimes, in our lowest points, when we feel like no one understands or cares, we feel the most close to God, knowing that he went through it. The next one under this is God's goodness is understood by those who are patiently and quietly waiting on him to deliver in ways that only he can. Again, this was, if you're a... um, a communication enthusiast, a talker. This can be very difficult. This is hard for me personally. I want to fix, and I believe if I just talk long enough, we can get this thing fixed. But there are many times that I have to learn, get out of the way. God's been in control of this situation from the beginning. It doesn't need you. And trust that he's going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished out of it. Those who wait patiently and quietly... Is there anything that Jeremiah can do about, what, about the situation that he's in? Nothing. By the way, he can complain about it. He, I mean, he can complain about it. There were moments last year of circumstances where I would see, I mean, some kind of pain was, I mean, there was pain involved. And you could, you could see it happening. And there's not a moment or a thing we could have done differently. Yet we try to talk ourselves into saying, oh, you know what, if I had done this, 
No. And then when we don't see resolution to the issue immediately, we get, to, we get back into, I can do it. I can. I can fix it. Let me fix it. Here, Jeremiah's looking around and seeing all this destruction, right? And he's got a big task ahead of him. But even at this point, they're just, he didn't feel, there's, no, there's nothing he can do. And I think sometimes God wants to remind us, there's never nothing, there's not the time we can do something to make it better. That even if we, we work toward and, 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 do, and obey and do what we're supposed to do, things around us still may not work out. But he's got a greater purpose. I talked about the nurses. I, I, I think I mentioned this last time. I got to see one of my former classmates who's a nurse. And they were just broken by seeing death over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Yet they didn't say any of that. Knowing there's only so much they can do. And why didn't they focus on what was around them? Well, she knows the Lord. So quietly, she may not come out and say, praise the Lord for this wonderful opportunity to do this again. No. She stays in the background and says, Lord, you're in control. I don't understand. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I've always wondered why the word taste was there. Yes, I like to taste. I love sauces and condiments on my stuff. I like to add little things, spices maybe. I love taste. And I've always wondered, why, on, why would the word taste be there? Because, man, sometimes when there's just something good that you taste, maybe it brings you back to a place, you know? My mother makes these little, I don't know what they are. They're like strawberries, nuts, coconut, and something. Okay, and they're, they made to look like a coconut. They made to look like a strawberry. Every year at Christmas, I, I just know on December, around December 25th, I'm going to get me like a big bowl of those or maybe a little bowl, depending on what she wants me to do. Not eat many. <laughs> this year, man, she gave me two things full of them. And I was kind of waiting, like, you know what, let's just wait a little bit. I want to enjoy that moment, right? <laughs> Because these things are amazing. I don't know what they are, okay? Um, all right, it's all that stuff made into something, and they taste awesome. And every time I eat one of those, or it's not every time, excuse me, when I eat those, sometimes I'll be thinking like, man, I remember me, and I was helping mom, but I really wasn't. I was just watching her make them, like in the kitchen, you know, Christmas Day when that you know, big surprise, whatever it is, or whatever. I was like, those are good moments. Those are good moments. You can taste it. That's the spirit here. That if we continually focus on what's bad around us, guess what? It may not ever change because it's up to God to change it. But if we stop and say, hold up. Man, remember this. Remember where God delivered here? That's good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge. He runs for cover. And God says, look, I got plenty of cover to give. And that goes right with verse 27 in our final note. Verse 27 says, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. That the age isn't the, the issue there. Because even in his youth, 
the, the load is too much to bear. It's the fact that, and here's, here's our note, God's goodness is experienced when he bears the weight of suffering. When who bears? When we bear the weight of suffering, we can still experience the goodness of God. This is all found in an inner disposition, a change of mind that creates a change of attitude. And it all goes back to those who know the Lord. I, I, at that funeral, like I said, there were several people who didn't know the Lord. And all I could think about was like, so is this just it for them? You know, they come to the gravesite. It's a sad moment. And they move on. And all there'll be times of tears. And, like there's no comfort. Yet when the believer leaves... There's a, almost a spirit of rejoicing in those moments. And let me say this. Who knows what's ahead this year? I'm thankful I'm not in control of it. I'd mess it up. But I know one thing. I'm excited to start again. Because God has something. God's got a plan. And it may be great in moments when you think, man, this is fantastic. It may feel, excuse me, great. Other moments may not feel so good. But the great thing is, is he's the one that doesn't change. He's the one that in our lowest moments is saying, hey, I've been here and here the whole time. I don't like to look the, like the mentality almost that God's our cheerleader, okay? But at the same time, he wants good for us. And I believe he does speak good to us. And I believe when we have success, it's his success. He gets excited. Like when that little leaguer hits a home run and his dad's just beaming ear to ear. When we, do, when we are in obedience and do something for him, despite our circumstances, issues, problems, I believe he's beaming ear to ear too. That he wants good. So I don't know what your 22 holds. I'm excited. But then again, I get excited about lots of things. <laughs> I am excited. Why? I pray we get to see more people than ever come to know the Lord. There's so many cool things on the calendar. There have been things on the calendar before that didn't happen, right? We don't know. But you think about this. We didn't think the last couple of years could have been like what they've been like. And yet, hasn't God just gotten sweeter? Hasn't time with him just gotten, gotten sweeter? And despite what news is on, isn't it just good? Because he's good. Hope's not lost. Hope is not lost. If you're founded in Christ. Now listen, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to do one more thing today. Um, we need to find, is Chris in here? We definitely need Chris. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. We're going to pray. And then uh, we're going to tell you one more thing we're going to do before we leave. Lord, we are grateful and thankful that through your word we can know you, love you greater. Lord, we are thankful that we can put our trust in you. And you provide all the hope that we need for today and every day forward. In our lowest, weakest of moments in time, you strengthen us, you empower us because your love is steadfast, it stays. Lord, your, your faithfulness never comes to an end. So Lord, I pray as we go embark on another day and, another, and a new year, Lord, we'll just trust you. Lord, no matter what is around us, what's in front of us, we don't know what's ahead, you do. And I pray we would calmly and thankfully put our trust and faith in you.
give us a great rest of our day today and be with our pastors. He is away in rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I said we're going to do one more thing today.